with. Um, there's a few GIFs that are not working on my Twitter right now, but I do want you guys to check them out because uh, they're hilarious. Um, this actually goes back to October 4th um, when the Senate was having uh, a hearing with the Equifax CEO. Um, there was actually a guy that was dressed up in the back <laughs> as a troll, dressed up like the guy from Monopoly where he was twiddling his mustache, a fake mustache, and he actually had a monocle on. Um, he looked, ex and he had the top hat, everything, like the Monopoly guy. Um, it was hilarious. Um, so definitely check that out, twitter.com slash the John D. Newton. I wish they were playing so I could show you guys, but they are worth watching. Like, I was dying laughing watching this. And uh, Haley Bird tweeted out, I didn't even see this. I still am kind of looking for this clip. Um, but apparently there's video somewhere of the Monopoly guy at the Equifax hearing allegedly wiping his brow with a dollar bill. <laughs> um, so if anybody has that, please send that into the show. Uh, Twitter, you know, YouTube comments, anywhere. Um, just let us know that that video exists because if it does, that is hilarious. Um, and we here at the show, we love a good laugh. So um, definitely check out though the clips that are there because they are hilarious by themselves. Um, whoever did that, that was like next level trolling right there. Um, uh, so Michael Skolnick tweeted out that one uh, shoe bomber tried to blow up a plane and now we take off our shoes. 1,518 mass shootings since Sandy Hook and Congress has done nothing. Um, so very strong tweet there from Michael Skolnick. Um, speaking of the government, uh, Uberfax tweeted out a really interesting tweet that actually is kind of scary um, if you're of my generation. Um, the Department of Education in the U.S. can apparently call SWAT teams to raid your house to search for unpaid student loans. Um, that's pretty crazy. Um, on a lighter note, uh, Billionaire Mindset tweeted out, motivation is what gets you started, habit is what keeps you going. So I think that's a pretty wise tweet there. Uh, my friend Mike tweeted, Facebook loves to torture me with the memories uh, on the timeline. Sigh. I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, and then there was this, so Yarmir Yager actually in a Calgary Flames uniform. I know a lot of Calgary fans are excited about it. I think a lot of just hockey fans in general are excited to see Yarmir Yager getting another opportunity to play again. Um, again, he's 57 games away from breaking uh, what I thought was, was an unbreakable record, Gordie Howe's uh, career NHL games played. Um, it, may be difficult because Yager is not going to be able to play right away but he is already in practice sessions with the team so hopefully he'll be able to play soon and you know unless he gets injured which hopefully he doesn't um, you know we'll be able to see him break that record which would be amazing to me um, and then Sportsnet tweeted out uh, speaking of people getting new contracts and people getting paid um, on a much greater scale though, not just $1 million for one year plus bonuses, uh, but future restricted free agents, so future young players that could be getting a huge payday in the future. Um, a lot of the Maple Leaf players, because uh, obviously the Maple Leafs are going in another direction. They had an awesome game winning 7-2 to um, against Winnipeg the other day. Um, 
but you've got uh, Nylander with the Leafs. You've got, obviously, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. So three, I would say, of their core pieces. Um, as a Maple Leafs fan, um, the only thing I can say to the Maple Leafs organization is, you know, whatever it takes, pay those three because those are the franchise right now. Um, you know, if it even means trading away Anderson's contract to be able to keep those three players, you've got to do what you've got to do because, you know, you watch that game and they were all over it. I think Patrick Marlowe has proven, uh, just in that one game, obviously it's a small sample size, but what he was able to do, especially when he was in close and he was able to deke and score and he had another really accurate shot, he's, you know, really proven that he still has a lot that he can give to this team. Um, and Joe Thornton, his former teammate, uh, actually commented and said that he thinks that uh, Marlowe is still capable of scoring 30 goals in this league. Um, after watching that game the other day, I don't doubt it. Um, his speed, his skills, um, he's just an awesome fit uh, for this young team in so many ways. Um, in a lot of ways, I think it's what Calgary's looking for from Yager. Um, to a lesser extent, though. Um, but there's other players, too. Uh, Kucherov in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, speaking of Winnipeg, Patrick Lene is going to be uh, getting paid. Um, and Larkin in Detroit as well. So a lot of really good young players on the cusp of getting paid massive, massive money uh, in the near future. Uh, so the Times of London has reported that upgrading to Apple's latest iPhone operating system can reduce battery life by more than two hours. Now I've updated three times in the last week, I believe, because there was uh, operating system for iOS 11, 11.0.1, and then 11.0.2. Um, to be fair, I haven't really left the house as often as I usually do this week, but when I have, I haven't noticed that it's been using up that much battery life. Um, so I'm wondering if it's maybe the settings that people are using on their phone. Um, but for me with the 7 Plus, like I'm not really noticing a major difference. Um, but to be fair, like I'm not going out for really extended periods of times uh, this past week. So um, probably next week uh, with Canadian Thanksgiving happening, I'll probably be out a little bit more um, and I'll be able to test that uh, quite a bit. Um, some sad news uh, from People Magazine. Um, Gabriel Union um, unfortunately has had some issues with infer infertility. Uh, she was saying to People Magazine that she's had eight or nine miscarriages um, and, and that's really sad, that's really unfortunate and uh, yeah like I mean I can't imagine what that feels like as somebody that wants to, uh, you know, be a mother or a father and not being able to have a child that many times, um, you know, how devastating that must be. Um, you know, so I, I really, you know, when I read that, I felt really bad uh, for Gabrielle Union um, and Dwayne Wade as well. Um, really, really heartbreaking situation there for both of them. Um, on a bit of a lighter note, although if you're a Senators fan, probably not quite that light, um, Bob McCowan uh, was asking the Ottawa Senators owner the other day, will you sell out your home opener? And Eugene Melnick said, I don't know. Um, it's crazy when you think about it because the Senators last year were so close to winning, uh, to making it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, 
they had so many great storylines, even though to me, even to this day, like they're not the greatest team on paper, roster-wise. Um, there's a lot of character to that team, and this is coming from a Leafs fan. Um, you know, I've got to give credit where credit's due for the Senators. They have a lot of really strong characters on that team, um, and I think that that's what's kind of that w- that's basically what kind of pushed them to where they were last year, at the end of last year. Um, but I also think that what Eugene Melnick has done publicly um, has hurt the Senators um, because he's basically put the fans on blast and it's kind of like he's blaming the fans for the attendance rather than anything else. And I think that that's not the right move. I think what he did by tarping off so many seats at the top of the bowl of, of where the Senators play, I forget what it's called now, it's not the Corral Center, I th- can't even remember if it's still called the Canadian Tire Center, they change the name so often, but um, I, I just felt like that was a really, really sad move that the Senators did to kind of like artificially inflate the ticket prices because there's fewer seats available because they've tarped off the rest. Um, and for a team that's struggling to get their attendance anyways, I, I, I think that that's a move that it looks like uh, may uh, come back to bite them. I do know, I'll be honest, I was watching baseball playoffs last night and uh, I actually went to see the new Blade Runner movie, which we'll talk about. Um, so I didn't really get a chance to see what happened in the Ottawa Senators game. I'm not sure if they did sell out or not. But regardless, leading up to the game, there was that concern. And it seems like they were so desperate to sell out that they were actually offering Uber free Uber rides, uh, which kind of screams of desperation and just really poor management and ownership from the Ottawa Senators. Um, then I was watching... Um, the Joe Rogan podcast, and uh, obviously there's always a lot of great things featured on the Joe Rogan podcast, but one of the things they were talking about um, was, you know, if, if you don't think that the Clintons, so Bill and Hillary, aren't corrupt, uh, check out Mark Rich's pardon of 51 counts of tax fraud. Now, Mark Rich was pardoned for this at the end of Bill Clinton's run as president, and what was crazy about it, and what kind which shows a level of corruptness here is that Mark Rich would later go on to donate to the Clinton Library and to Hillary's Senate run later on. Uh, so very fishy business there um, and pretty disturbing stuff if you're a fan of the Clintons. Um, Uberfax tweeted out a pretty interesting tweet saying that Pluto is actually smaller than Russia. Um, that's a pretty crazy thing to, to think about. And to further that point about what's going on, uh, or what went on with the Clintons, uh, there's an article from the New York Times, which I tweeted out, uh, that cash flowed to the Clinton Foundation amid a Russian atomic energy agency that gradually took charge of a company that controls one-fifth of all of the uranium production capacity in the U.S. So some pretty crazy kind of corrupt stuff going on there as well. And when I say kind of, I mean definitely corrupt. Um, and another article from freebeacon.com saying that the Russian government initiative gave millions to the Clinton Foundation. Um, again, just showing uh, how corrupt things are from the Clinton's perspective. Um, you know, I know on this show I, I've gone out of my way to slam 
Donald Trump, but, uh, you know, I, I would be lying if, if I didn't also have concerns about when Hillary was running too. Um, and these are a lot of those things, is how corrupt and, and um, how much influence people had over her for multitudes of reasons, as these articles point out. Um, but going back to hockey, uh, that game, that first game for the Maple Leafs against Winnipeg was unbelievable to watch as a Maple Leafs fan. And actually, you know, going into the season, I was thinking, oh, you know, the odds for the Stanley Cup are crazy. Like, there's no way the Maple Leafs are going to be that good this year. There's going to be a sophomore slump. There's going to be something. Um, I think as a Maple Leafs fan, like, that's almost ingrained in, in the culture now of, of being a fan is you, you don't really have high expectations anymore for that team. Um, but watching that game got me pretty excited uh, to see Frederick Anderson, who last year I, I believe struggled, at least in the games I was watching. He let in so many soft goals when the Leafs had a lead going into like the third period. So many soft goals coming in uh, through Anderson, and you know I just never really felt like he lived up to the contract that he signed. Um, but. I've got to give him credit in this first game of the season. I've never seen him look better as a Maple Leaf. He looked in the zone. He looked fully concentrated, uh, just in the moment, watching everything happening. I mean, I don't know what the referees were doing, but the Maple Leafs had to kill off at least like seven penalties in the game. Um, Anderson was definitely the best penalty killer for the Leafs, and I think the way he played, he deserved a shutout. Uh, in fact, I was I was watching I was continuing to watch that game even though it was a blowout just to see if Anderson could make it to a shutout at the end. But you know, unfortunately, Winnipeg did score a couple there. But um, what I was excited though with the Leafs wasn't just how Anderson played; it was how fast the Leafs were. And I know a lot of people were saying later, like, "Oh, you know, Winnipeg didn't really play strong D." Yeah, I understand that, um, and I I want to measure my expectations, but. As a Leafs fan, I was excited to see the speed on display. Um, I was excited to see uh, how Marlowe would play with the Leafs. And as I was saying earlier in the show, like he scored two excellent goals, one of them in close, the way he was able to deke the puck and then shoot it in, how accurate that was. And then he had another accurate shot, I believe, just under the arm of the goalie there. Um, he looked really good. Uh, Nylander had that awesome goal where the goalie didn't even seem to know where it was and Nylander almost fanned on the shot because he couldn't believe the net was so open. Um, just a lot of really great moments in that first game and you know right after it was the Edmonton game and you know if you're thinking in terms of like what would be the best Stanley Cup final in terms of excitement um, I don't think you could get any better than the possibility of the Edmonton Oilers versus the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Stanley Cup. That might be a pipe dream, um, but I think it would be awesome to see. I know a lot of people are probably watching this or listening to this going, well, well what the hell, the US market wouldn't be interested. NBC would hate that. Um, maybe, maybe, or maybe people will see the value of having two of the NHL's biggest stars in Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews competing for the Stanley Cup and two really young and exciting teams to watch um, you know I would probably as even though I'm a Leafs fan I would definitely probably give the edge to the Oilers in that type of series um, but it would be a hell of a lot of fun to watch and I think that if the U.S. would be concerned about an all-Canada Stanley Cup like that um, 
I wouldn't be because I feel like there's enough smart hockey fans in the States that would be really excited to see Austin Matthews, who happens to be from Phoenix, Arizona, which would be a, a good storyline for NBC to drum up, um, playing against Connor McDavid. So you're talking about two of the best in the NHL right now going for the Stanley Cup. So even though it's not U.S. markets, I think just in terms of pure hockey fans, there would be a lot of interest in that. And obviously in Canada, it would be just total insanity if it was the Oilers versus the Leafs. But watching those two games back-to-back, Connor McDavid getting a hat trick and Edmonton getting the shutout, um, that would be quite something to see if that happened. not saying that it will, but, um, you know, for first impression, both of those teams did really, really well uh, for their first games of the season. Um, but that brings me to what I tweeted out live during the game. Um, and if you missed the game, one of the things as a Leafs fan that I think was frustrating was uh, Leo Komarov was warned about his visor. Um, so he was a player that used to play without a visor, I believe. Um, but then he got one and he kind of pushes his up a little bit higher which I don't really see any problem with. I don't quite understand why these referees uh, were enforcing this so heavily, Uh, but they actually went back and they gave him a penalty when it looked like his visor was fine. Um, But I thought that that was a really, really crazy uh, penalty. Later on, I saw referees uh, talking to another Leafs player, I forget which one, about his sweater being tucked or not tucked. And, you know, like... I'm watching this like thinking is this going to be what the new NHL is you know you've got such great talent speed skill such youth going into the league now Um, is it going to be screwed up by stupid penalties like visors and sweaters and like who really gives a shit about that Um, to be honest you know to me if Komarov wants to play without a visor, if he wants to put his visor all the way up, like, I, I don't really care. Um, you know, the consequences of not wearing a visor have been seen in the NHL when it comes to, you know, getting poked with a stick, a puck potentially hitting you there. Um, you know, there's been so many injuries because of that and, you know, career-threatening injuries. So if Komarov is... I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Komarov's in control of those things. It's it's his own choices when it comes to that. Um, and obviously the, the visor rule being grandfathered into the NHL, I do understand that. But, you know, I believe Komarov would still have the ability to choose not to wear a visor, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, that's his freedom of choice, you know. And, and if he wants to put himself at risk of injury by doing that, that's on him. But for that to be a penalty against the team... I think is absolutely ridiculous and I think the NHL should look into you know talking to the referees and making sure that they're not enforcing if that is even a rule what's going on with that with the sweaters I thought that was ridiculous I remember back in the day when Yager used to tuck in his jersey like halfway up his ass same thing with Ovechkin Um, who cares you know what I mean like there's so much going on in the game of hockey that's way more important than what a player's uh, gear is like you know, unless, this is the one thing that I would agree with when it comes to gear, uh, the curve of the stick, um, the length of the stick, if it's a goalie stick, stuff like that, that I can understand 100%. The, the goalie pads, um, you know, when it comes to uh, an unfair advantage, 
I get that. But when it comes to like a visor or if your jersey's tucked in or not tucked in, like who cares? Um, that really was frustrating. And that was yet another penalty that the Leafs had to kill. And to their credit, they did. Um, so October is one of my favorite months as a sports fan, as you could probably tell, because there's so much going on. Literally, pretty much every sport is going on at the same time, um, which can be exciting but frustrating at the same time because you want to be able to watch it all. So while I was watching the Leafs game against Winnipeg, I was also watching the uh, baseball playoffs starting off as well, the wild card games in particular. Um, and I had to give credit uh, and kudos to TBS. TBS had one of the wild card games and they were using uh, Tom Petty's Running Down a Dream as one of their bumper songs in between commercial breaks. I've got to give them credit for that. Number one, the song just makes sense for the setting as a playoff game. Uh, Running Down a Dream, you couldn't really write a better song for something like that. Um, but number two, it shows, shows a lot of class and a lot of, I think, uh, respect for Tom Petty, uh, who recently passed. I thought that that was really a beautiful thing that TBS did, and you know, I definitely wanted to give them credit on the podcast as well for that. Um, then there was this. This is pretty exciting. So Triple H tweeted out for the first time in nearly 20 years, and this has been rumored, we've talked about it actually on this show, of the WWE bringing back war games. But I was trying to figure out, if you remember that other podcast, we were talking about it, how can the WWE do it? Um, they did it. and But the, the way that they're going to do it makes 100% sense. They're not going to do it with Raw or SmackDown. They're going to do it with NXT which makes so much sense because you've got, uh, you know, so many different uh, tandems of, of factions, which is really what this War Games is about. Not just like a tag team of like two wrestlers, but you want to have like three or four on a team. Um, and they've got that with NXT. You've got Insanity. Uh, you've got the new group that's coming in, um, some Undisputed Era. Um, you know, with Adam Cole, you, you've got so much going on with that, that that is going to be really exciting. I think a lot of people are interested to see, like, will they bring in the double uh, double rings uh, with the huge cage around both rings? Uh, that will remain to be seen, but I think that's the perfect idea. I was wondering how the WWE could bring back War Games, because I don't really see a lot of factions going on uh, on Raw or SmackDown. Maybe New Day, I guess, but that New Day by itself, like what New Day versus The Shield, they're on two different shows, it, it wouldn't make sense. So War Games with NXT makes 100% sense. I'm so excited and happy that the WWE is going to do that. Um, you know, Insanity versus The Undisputed Era, I think is going to be an awesome, awesome event. So uh, really cool. Uh, it's going to be happening November 18th on the WWE Network. So cheap plug for them on this podcast as if they needed it. Um, but very, very exciting stuff with that. Um, then Uberfax tweeted out, and a lot of times with um, like fairy tales and old, uh, you know, cartoons and stuff, um, you know, you go back in time and you look at like what originally was written, and it's pretty shocking stuff. Um, but the original ending for The Little Mermaid is one of those. Uh, the original ending for The Little Mermaid ends with her tail being split in two, and she's feeling excruciating pain with every step that she took and eventually died. Um, so some pretty dark, crazy stuff going on there. 
uh, with The Little Mermaid. Definitely something I didn't know about, so I wanted to share that on the podcast because I thought that was really crazy and really dark. Um, Uberfax also tweeted out, the second it's brought to your attention, you begin to breathe manually, like right now. So you're probably breathing manually because you're thinking about it because I just said it. I'm probably breathing manually right now because I just said it. I'm thinking about it. So that's pretty crazy, but it is true. Um, Then there was this clip of Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford losing it on a show, uh, I believe earlier this week, promoting Blade Runner, which I did go to see, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But I definitely wanted to play this clip because it was so funny. Um, I was dying laughing watching it. these glasses in because these were from the original Blade Runner. This is what they used. So I thought, you know, attention to details for fans will probably like that. That's so cool that you did that. Are you a fan of the originals? Never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your candor. Bleak, dystopian, an absolute nightmare to be honest with you. That's just my interviewing techniques. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Cheer up. <laughs> Cheer well, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bit of a bleak Let's, day. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's a lovely day in London. Let's keep it that way. I'm so this is, sorry. This is not the introduction we were promised. Do, do, Bring me on with a little happier music. You know. Well, there's so much secrecy around this new film. What what can you tell me about it? Obviously, you've told me that it's... Are you having a drink? I think it's... Uh, I feel like that's where this, that's where this is headed. Harrison, when you got that call to say, listen, we're, we're making another Blade Runner yeah. and we want you to be in it, what was your reaction? So what? <laughs> in theory, help yourselves. <laughs> I notice there's nothing left for me. She's right. <laughs> oh, I needed that. I've warmed up. <laughs> Billy said, would you be interested? I said... How much? Edward, show me the money! <laughs> no, I said, show me the script. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Should we talk to Ryan? Yeah, talk to Ryan. Did you have much fun on the set? Yeah, it was great, great fun. Did you get your knitting needles out? Because I know you like to relax. Oh, we're going to go there. We're going to go with the knitting. Oh, it's going to be like that. Look at your jumper. I just looked at your jumper and I thought, did you knit that? This is what I did on set. I knitted this sweater. It's a a nice sweater. It's Blade Runner uh, inspired. I don't know what to say now. I don't know. 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 Is this an interview or is this... uh... All right, I'll go with you. You're you're my man. You're my man today. Get out of the way. Thank you. You guys need help with the cameras tonight. <laughs> 35 years since the role. Well, how did you find the stunts? I found them extremely difficult, which accounts for the fact that I hit this guy one time. That's show business. The story is that I missed him 99 times. And you know, I, you and know I they say once. don't meet your heroes. I would say don't get punched by them. <laughs> turns out it doesn't matter who you're getting punched by. It's uh, still just getting punched. <laughs> You've obviously been in Blade Runner, a sequel to one of Harrison's films. Would you like to maybe be in a sequel to one of his films, maybe La 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 Land? Yeah. You can't dance. Can't sing. Really? Uh, That's not true. Can't play the, the voice piano. of an angel. Really? It's like an angel porn honey in your ear. We're working on our harmonies right now. Are you serious? Yes. Go for it. Me 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 me. We're gonna keep working on them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man. Can I just go back and, and talk Molding about things and creating? Can I just go back and, uh, and, and talk about. <laughs> Sorry, is this a bad time? Yeah, I'm just a beautiful day, huh? Thank you. There is a darkness and there is a dystopian atmosphere, but there is also a triumph of the human spirit. Okay. I'm invested. All right. What can you add to that? Is there a mic I can drop? <laughs> <laughs> So a really good clip there I wanted to share with you guys because I thought it was so funny. Um, really great chemistry there too between Gosling and Harrison Ford. Um, another really good tweet from Billionaire Mindset, they said, uh, start where you are with what you have and give your best. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Uh, so a really cool tweet there uh, from Billionaire Mindset as usual. Uh, another really good tweet from Billionaire Mindset, failure is success in progress. So really, really motivating uh, tweet there as well. Um, then there was this image which I had to uh, tweet because I thought it was so funny. Uh, this is a patch um, for conspiracy theorists that believe in uh, chemtrails. And the patch at the top says hashtag team chemtrail. And at the bottom of it, it says hashtag spray and pray. I thought that was so funny, uh, really funny uh, image there. Um, then, you know, we were talking about Hillary, so of course that means I get a few shots in on Donald Trump as well, equal opportunity. Um, something that was bothering me during the election, but I didn't really get a, I didn't have this platform to talk about it, but I do now, so I will. Um, the people that defended Donald Trump when he was saying grab him by the pussy um, they expected me to believe that Donald Trump has even ever been inside of a locker room when they're saying that it's locker room talk like I mean come on there's no way that guy's ever been inside a locker room like ridiculous um, going back to sports though with the Toronto Raptors Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out a big Woj bomb um, the Toronto Raptors guard Norman Powell has agreed to a four-year, $42 million contract extension. So We The Norm is going to continue in Toronto for at least the next four years. Um, interesting, interesting signing, I think, for the Leafs. Or, excuse me, for the Raptors, not the Leafs. It would be very interesting if it was the Leafs. Um, but no, for the Raptors, um, Norman Powell is an interesting player who sometimes gets some opportunities to start games, but usually is coming off of the bench. Um, he's played really well in the playoffs. Um, do I think that he's a $10 million a year player? I don't know, um, to be honest. I, I think that this contract is going to create some new expectations of Norman Powell. Um, if he can play like he has in the playoffs in the past, um, I think he'll live up to the contract. But I think that it's going to be interesting to see how he plays now with this contract because something about it, I just feel like it's just a little bit too much money. But 
maybe I'll be wrong on that. I hope I am. Um, I want to be like the Raptors and look at what he's done in the playoffs and say, no, no, this is who this guy is. Um, but, you know, I, I, I wonder what he's going to be as these four years go on. Um, I think from my perspective, I just think it's going to be difficult for him to prove his value as an $11 million a year player when you're playing with DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Abaka, Valanciunas, it doesn't really give you a lot of opportunities for touches, let alone shots. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens though. I, I, I don't want to doubt him in any way because um, I, I know what he's capable of when he played in the playoffs. But I do, for some reason when I read this initially, my feeling wasn't like, oh, this is great. My feeling was, I hope they're not overpaying for him. Um, and that's just my honest, you know, hot take as soon as I read that. Um, then there was this tweet from uh, Tim and Sid. Uh, we were speaking about McDavid. And this was a, a work of art that was created uh and, and was shown uh, by Oilers fans, and this is uh, McJesus, uh, so McDavid's face over Jesus. Um, you know, the, the support for McDavid in Edmonton has become almost fanatical um, to like a religious fervor, um, and you see that with that, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but speaking of, uh, earlier we were talking about some interesting articles. There was an interesting article on Reset.me uh, that was talking about a study where psilocybin mushrooms uh, have been shown that can actually help physically rebuild a damaged brain. Uh, so really interesting article there. Speaking of interesting, interesting picture here from History and Pics. Uh, this is a picture of Johnny Cash shaking an inmate's hand at Folsom Prison. Uh, so really, really interesting picture there. Uh, then there was this video on YouTube, which I thought was interesting. This is a video of a bird that literally goes fishing with bread. Um, so you'll see here the fish has, or excuse me, the fish. The fish is going to have the bread in its mouth, but not for long. The bird is using the, the, the bread as bait, um, and it's kind of letting it float for a little while, but it doesn't want to go out too far because it doesn't want to give the fish a free lunch. So it actually will come in and pull it back. So it's doing that a few times here, and it came close there to getting the fish that time. And there you see it. The bird was able to get the fish with the bread as lure. Um, really, really crazy video there that I had to share with you guys because I thought it was so clever of that bird. Um, then uh, Faisal Kamiza from Sportsnet tweeted out, cut or uncut, a hotel TV being on the ground. So I definitely wanted to show you guys an image here of what Faisal was tweeting. Uh, so there's... There's the TV, and there's the bed, and yeah, for me, I'll be honest, I've definitely got to say cut for that. 
Um, I don't think that's cool. I don't know how you're expected to see it, especially like if you're actually on the bed and you're looking down, like you're looking at your bed. Half of the TV is probably cut off, so I would definitely say that that's cut, that's not cool. Uh, the Daily Mail tweeted out something that I found shocking, and apparently this has been a stat that's been out there, but the media doesn't really talk about it that much for obvious reasons. Um, but this is really, really a crazy stat that was eye-opening to me. It might be eye-opening to you guys as well. Um, but it's saying that more U.S. troops have committed suicide now than have died in combat in the war on ISIS. Um, so the PTSD and everything that comes with that has resulted in more uh, suicides than people getting killed on their missions against ISIS. Um, that is unbelievable that is so disturbing um, to say the least and nobody's talking about it in politics um, nobody's talking about it in the media um, you think about not just those individuals and the sacrifices that they've made um, but you think about their families as well and um, again you know for, for whatever reason I feel like politicians these days have become such cowards and such shills um, you know, they don't want to address weapons or guns. They don't want to address what's going on with suicides in the military. Um, it, you know, they don't want to address the opioid addiction. Um, it, it seems like they want to live in a different world where none of these things are happening. Um, but unfortunately for the rest of us, we live in the real world and we know friends and family that are impacted by stuff like this. And um, yeah, I mean, like nothing's going to change until these people that are in government decide to actually do something about it and nothing is getting done um, so just an unbelievably you know eye-opening stat uh, it's been out there so some of you guys may have heard it it was the first time I heard it the other day um, I couldn't believe it when I did um, truly truly sad uh, information there uh, but honest information and uh, again something that I think needs to be addressed it's more than overdue but you know, nobody in government is talking about it. Nobody in the media is even talking about it. <clears throat> uh, then there was this tweet from Ted, uh, who s tweeted out, Silent but deadly, every woman should know the warning signs of ovarian cancer. Uh, so very good uh, tweet there. I had to retweet this because uh, it hits home. Uh, speaking of family, uh, my mother... Uh, recently had to have her ovaries removed uh, because of ovarian cancer um, and she had to go through chemo as well uh, luckily she's gone through both of those things and uh, you know she continues to fight the good fight um, but yeah like I, I, it, it, what's scary about ovarian cancer and it was the case with her is that the symptoms are they're so strange that it's hard to detect and sometimes when you do detect it, it's too late. Um, sometimes you're, you're fighting with doctors to show that you actually do have concerns about something like this. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I couldn't agree more with this article and then I definitely you know, wanna help to create that awareness by retweeting it, talking about it on the show, because um, it definitely hits home uh, personally uh, with my mom going through that as well. Um, 
then there was this really cool image that I had to tweet out uh, from Burning Man, I believe in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, maybe earlier, um, where it's showing a Tesla coil, and you can see it shooting out electricity against the Burning Man there. Uh, really cool image. Um, definitely check that out, twitter.com slash thejohndnewton. Um, speaking of really cool images, another one. Uh, Donald Trump, the quicker fucker upper, as it shows him uh, throwing some paper towels. I thought that was pretty good. Um, and then, as I was saying, uh, last night I went to see the new uh, Blade Runner movie, um, and there were some interesting things that came up in that movie. Uh, one of them was something that I've never really thought of, but it's definitely a good point, is if you think about it, a person's DNA is made up of G, T, A, and C, right? Um, technology is made up of ones and zeros. Um, so they were talking about that, um, and I thought that that was pretty interesting because I never really thought about that before. Uh, so just food for thought, wanted to throw it out there uh, to get you guys thinking about that because it is pretty interesting when you think about it. Um, and they had a really good quote in the movie too, uh, uh, from Deckard, uh, Harrison Ford's character in the movie, uh, sometimes to love someone, you've got to be a stranger. Um, that was a very powerful quote, I thought, uh, very meaningful in the movie as well. Um, without giving any spoilers, um, really interesting quote there. Uh, there were some good quotes as well in the movie, I thought, from uh, Wallace, which was Jared Leto's character in the movie too. Um, to be honest though, I couldn't remember it coming out of the theater, um, it was a, there were some lengthy quotes there when he was meeting with Harrison Ford's character, spoiler, um, but uh, I'm sure it'll be out there and when it is I'll, I'll definitely tweet about it, talk about it on the show, because there were some interesting quotes in the movie from his character as well. Um, some interesting overall dialogue in the movie, some interesting ideas. Um, definitely visually, as you would imagine with Blade Runner, it was it was pretty stunning. Um, a bit lengthy, um, just like the original. I think maybe they could have edited it down a, a quite a bit. Um, it was a bit long in that sense, but uh, it was what I liked about it compared to the original is that it wasn't anywhere near as dark. Um, it was kind of the opposite. It was very uplifting. Um, without giving spoilers, but it, it, was, it was better than I thought it would be. It was good. Um, and then there was this, uh, which I unfortunately won't be able to play, because uh, I know it'll get us kicked off of YouTube, so I won't even try. Um, but it's a tweet from Fitzy and Whippa uh, in Australia, and uh, they actually had a politician come and sing uh, to 50 Cent's in the club. Um, that, that, that rhythm uh, in the background and it was hilarious so I would definitely recommend you guys check out that video I wish I could play it on the show but I know that it'll get us yanked off of YouTube so I, I won't even bother but definitely check that out um, you can check it on my Twitter as well twitter.com slash Newton. really really funny stuff so then there was this image which I thought was really interesting. It's a work of art where, as you can tell, it's a bunch of guns that are hanging in the shape of a gun. But then if you go around it, 
not only does it resemble a gun from the side, but it actually outlines the United States. And again, like these are all just guns that are suspended. Um, very, very powerful uh, work of art there. Um, and unbelievable talent to be able to make an image using guns of a gun from one side and then if you go around to the front you'll actually see that it makes up the outline of the United States. I thought that that was uh, an unbelievable uh, art installation uh, tweeted out by Ian Bremmer, I believe created by Sergio uh, Kayser. I'm not sure if he's the original artist or if he was just the one that posted that video but whoever made that like unbelievable art there um, especially nowadays like you know we, people think of modern art uh, sometimes they roll their eyes but that is like unbelievable art to me um, and and what makes it art to me is is it says so much without words you know um, there's there's a powerful message to that art um, so really 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 interesting um, speaking of interesting uberfax tweeted out new research found that one in five adolescents regularly wake up in the middle of the night to check their social media um, i'm guilty of that myself um, I, I think what it is is that unfortunately social media has the same characteristics of any type of addiction um, and what i mean by that is you know when you see something on social media somebody liking something retweeting you, um, you know, sharing something that you've made, um, you, you get like a hit of dopamine in your brain. Um, so in that way, it's kind of like a drug. Um, and I think that for a lot of people, it's almost like a slot machine. You know, you pick up your phone and, you know, it's almost like you're pulling the crank and you're waiting to see like what is going to come up um, when, when you turn your phone on, like what, what type of notifications, what badges are you going to see? Um, so I don't doubt that research. I, th I think that I'm an example of that. I'm guilty of that, you know, uh, from time to time throughout the day, I'll check my phone to see what's going on. Um, and even at night, sometimes I'll wake up and just, oh, you know, I'm up, might as well check my phone. Um, but yeah, like it, it's in a way progress, obviously. Uh, but in another way, it's, it's kind of dangerous because it does meet those criterias of being uh, an addiction for a lot of people. Um, so as I said, I tweeted out about Blade Runner seeing that last night. Uh, it's better than I thought it would be, as I said. Uh, not as dark as the original, but just like the original, it was a little bit lengthy. So exactly what I was saying earlier. Um, but I, I, would, I would recommend it. Um, I would recommend seeing it in 3D. That's how I saw it. Um, the visuals are worth it. Um, you know, does the 3D stand out as like, oh, this is unbelievable 3D? Um, no, but uh, if you're going to see it, and in most theaters it's the only way to see it now is it's in 3D, it's not bad, it's, it's worth seeing in 3D. Um, then Donald Trump, uh, at, before a dinner with military leaders and their spouses, told reporters that this was, quote, the calm before the storm so i thought that i would play that for you guys
guy I really don't um, you know to me number one who smiles after saying something shitty like that like oh this is the calm before the storm and you don't elaborate on that um, I, I just wonder like what the hell is wrong with this guy um, you know like he just doesn't seem mentally capable of being the president despite what so many people would tell you um, stuff like that just shows that um, Tom Nemeko pretty much tweeted out the same thing. What in the holy shit is Donald Trump saying when he talks about the calm before the storm while surrounded by the military? Uh, Julia Reinstein uh, tweeted out, I'm unsure whether to be afraid or think he just learned the phrase calm before the storm and isn't sure how to use it. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, then there was this uh, from Gary Player, uh, who is a longtime uh, professional golfer. Uh, he tweeted out, when the people you bring together for golf and giving raise more than 300000 for children in need. Uh, so this was at an event of his. Uh, this is incredible to watch. obviously dancing around there but here's the thing he's over 80 years old and he even had his swing in the dance and everything so I've got to give him credit for that pretty funny stuff uh, then there was this and this has to be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen um, and this apparently is called ghost riding but this guy is on the outside of a subway train that's going through the subway obviously and uh, Number one, it's crazy because I don't know how this guy thinks or knows that he's going to have the clearance to do this. Who knows if there's like a part of the subway where it just would catch him and he'd be dead. Um, but number two, he's wearing the baggiest shirt I've ever seen as he's on the outside. So if that caught on to something, he would be screwed. Um, so no matter how you slice that, I just think that that's like the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. Uh, then uh, Axios tweeted out that there's a scoop. The CIA director Pompeo is considered to replace Tillerson, who earlier this week uh, allegedly called Donald Trump a fucking moron. Uh, Daniel W. Dresner had a, a good uh, thread of tweets uh, about this subject. He said, even if you overlook his mismanagement, political obtuseness, and difficulty in articulating U.S. foreign policy, Rex Tillerson has to go. This is for one simple reason. At this point, who would believe any pledge that Rex Tillerson made on behalf of the United States? Tillerson has been undercut on so many issues. Syria, Cater, North Korea, 
uh, that he brings zero value added to U.S. credibility, and it's hard to argue with that. Um, and then we'll end with um, some Canadian politics. Um, so uh, the East Pipeline uh, was cancelled. Um, that's going to have a huge impact on the Trudeau government, especially the people out west in Alberta, very disappointed in that in terms of uh, you know possible jobs that could have been created for that. Um, but uh, it came out today that the federal government uh, could erase the debt, the national debt, by 2060. Um, so I said, oh, that's great, just before I'm dead. Um, you know, so it seems like we're not really aiming high when it comes to that. The fiscal outlook for some provinces in Canada is even bleaker than that. Um, so things are looking pretty interesting in Canadian politics right now. Um, what seemed like it was just, you know, 100% a green light for Justin Trudeau. Things seem to be changing. Uh, the NDP recently uh, voting for Jagmeet Singh to be their leader. Um, you know, hopefully he can bring some new, fresh ideas um, and, and just change what Mulcair did with the NDP. Uh, hopefully he makes them more of what the NDP is supposed to be and not this moderate slash conservative version of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Jagmeet Singh can do, um, especially to compete with uh, Trudeau. And I think for the conservatives, they're just going to be happy because they believe that Jagmeet Singh will probably take away seats from the Liberals, and I don't think they're wrong about that. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, I voted for uh, the Liberals in the last election, the federal election, uh, buying into a lot of the things that Trudeau was talking about. Um, I will be honest, in a number of ways I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with what he's doing with taxes, I'm not impressed in what he's trying to do with uh, job creation, as you can tell with the pipeline. Um, I think what's going on with the federal uh, national debt is kind of disappointing news. Um, it has not all been good with Justin Trudeau, despite, I think, the, the uh, press coverage that he's been getting around the world. Um, I, I, I want there to be more of a choice. I was upset with the fact that the Conservatives didn't allow Verona Ambrose to be the permanent leader of the party. I think that she was a very strong voice for the Conservatives and really was a reasonable person. I, I think it would have been interesting to see her as the permanent leader there. I don't really believe Andrew Scheer is that good of a, a person to be the leader of a party. I, I think that he's a bit I don't know, it's hard to describe, but just his personality and it seems like a lack of leadership from him from what I've seen so far, I'm not really impressed. Um, I am impressed from what I have seen of Jagmeet Singh, um, so I'm just hoping that by the time the next federal election comes that there are some legitimate choices for the Canadian people. Um, you know, and, and you know, for the sake of Canada, I hope things start to turn around. For Trudeau, you know, I voted for him for a few reasons, um, but I'm, needless to say, pretty disappointed with how things have gone so far. Um, but we'll see. You know, there's still a lot of time between now and the next election. He hasn't totally lost my confidence as the Prime Minister and the Liberals as the majority party, but um, I think for a lot of Canadians, he has lost their confidence, um, and we'll see what happens. But again, you know, you have to see what choices there are. And, uh, you know, it remains to be seen truly what Jagmeet Singh will be running.
um, as a national platform. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens with the Conservative Party as well, although I don't really hold my breath with Andrew Scheer. Um, we'll still see what happens. So some interesting time uh, times with Canadian politics and for sure probably a lot more discussions of Canadian politics on this podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys for watching and listening and we'll see you guys on the next episode.